This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use? Grubhub or something? Grubhub? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not getting it for you. Now he's the yawn guy? I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors, F&H Contracting and Fence, located in Billings, Montana. If you're looking to spruce up your yard or want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired, contact our friends at F&H Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484. From front yards to farm yards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the BNB Network, and you're listening to the 64. Whoa, 64th. Maybe. Yeah, sir. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. we we made a problem here. Uh, we've had a major May fiasco as far as uh, posting, and we did like three podcasts in one week. We may have in those other podcasts quoted what episode it was like i know we did it for uh, alan's oh and that and was like the 67th or so technically yeah. if you're looking at like real in order of how they were filmed this is like the 66th or 67th podcast yeah but that is getting posted because this is a very important podcast absolutely it is the 64th um we'll get to that in a second we got um what you guys are going to hear today is an awesome interview. We're back in the interview game, um, and this has been Zoom. Uh, really one of our... We keep having these just really like-minded, awesome uh, just guests that we've been having a great time with, and I think that we brought, you know, as far as what we do and the outdoor community, um, this is going to be an awesome, you know... Mm-hmm. In, this is informal. a good one, for sure. Yeah, so we're excited about that. Let's talk about what we've been up to, what's been going on. Uh, we just dropped the first part of the Nick Reed podcast, where we kind of go into a little bit of business talk about like kind of like you know you, you kind of got an idea why we've been away from the you know posting and stuff like that it's been difficult you know i've had my life kind of flipped a little bit but now we're kind of reeling it back in things are really starting to run good we uh since we recorded that podcast we have done um we did our event at the high horse you guys raised 2000 what's that fire Oh, what did I say? The high horse? Yeah. Excuse me. The Squire Lounge, Billings, Montana. Uh, they're one and the same in my eyes. They're awesome places. Um, but yes, uh, you guys raised 2113 Yep. $13 like for uh, Out of Darkness Suicide Awareness, uh, which is amazing. We're more than happy to uh, not only support them and the community of Billings, Montana. What's that? Where's that bag we can announce the winner? Um, yeah, sure. Matt's going to go ahead and after I get done ranting here, he's going to tell you the name of the winner just in case, uh, that person doesn't know yet, or, I mean, I think they should know by now. Um, but yeah, just a little cool thing for this person. Um, so you guys were, uh, able to raise money for that as well as, um, you know, send someone on an awesome fishing trip, day fishing trip on the Bighorn River that, uh, Matt's going to take them and go fishing with. And Brenda is still was the winner perfect awesome. amazing that's kind of that was a congratulations that was a, a last minute three hour raffle deal just to uh help out a you know local friend of ours uh in the out of darkness um suicide pre- awareness and prevention so that was really cool and then um uh i wasn't able to be there with you guys i was guiding turkey 
What else have we been up to? Um, oh, well, the biggest thing is uh, mine is Ramsey. We just our did our turkey. Yeah, we just hunt. did our turkey hunt raffle, um, which really um, I'm not going to let's not go into depth in it on this one because we do have an, um, that whole interview this podcast. Uh, we'll we'll be back next week and we'll we'll hopefully have a you know a real in depth uh, conversation on how the turkey hunt went. It'll still be pretty fresh in our minds. Uh, we really had a blast. We, you never know when you're you're bringing on, and, and Matt's kind of dealt with his whole life. You know, you bring on new clients to the outfitting stuff. You never know how personalities are going to go and how the people are going to be. But uh, I really enjoyed the whole experience myself, um, and uh, we really got some. It was an amazing weekend. Yeah, we had a good time. Um, really, uh, and the weather was great. You know, it was actually unseasonably warm i thought oh, didn't snow 10 inches for you no and it wasn't raining the whole time like the weekend before so good um, time. I, I love turkey hunting i love i love all of it love well i could go back out tomorrow and do the shed hunting stuff but i'm gonna tell you right now i think i'm ready for fishing i'm ready for uh you know turkey hunting can wait a year again i'm kind of i still kind of hear some gobbles in my hair my ear every now and then it's kind of like when you go goose hunting for like an entire, you know, every weekend for a month, and oh, just yeah. all you hear is honk, 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 like in your in your ears. Hear random whistles of duck wings. Um, you know, this beginning part is going to be really touch and go. It's going to be a lot of uh, informative stuff because we really haven't been able to be on the horn for. I mean, that last podcast we did was three weeks ago, so you know, a lot of this is just update. Now, let's just start from let's start from from the very first thing that we advertised this week. June 3rd, 2023, it was the kickoff for our booth season. We will be back in Broadview for Broadview Day as we did that last year. This year, we're taking off a taking on a much larger role. We will be uh, not only having a booth, we're going to have a booth at the actual, you know, there's the main location for events on this is like the Homestead Inn Bar and Grill. We're going to be there. We're going to be front and center. Um, we have a lot of stuff that I'm talking about here in a minute that's going to be available. And we're also kind of taking a little step out of the... I don't know. You think it's out of our comfort zone or it's right in our wheelhouse? Mm. I think it's new. It's different. It's something that, you know, we've never done before. And I think it's going to test our skills um, at being able to speak in front of people. And we always talk about all the time. It's funny because we go do these booths that we've done before. And it's like, you know, we've been on a mic for 64 episodes of a podcast and, you know, people see our face on YouTube the whole time and stuff like that. And then you go up and talk in front of people and it's still Uh, a little bit of uh, a... uh, uh, you know, Ricky Bobby, I don't know what to do with my hand. Yeah, right. you overthink it a little bit, but uh, I think we um, typically thrive in moments um, where we don't think we will. So I think it's going to be very beneficial for us, something new, something different. And the thing that's like new about it is like, you know, it's not really what you would typically see as far as like a categorized what we do. Hmm. But I think I took this on and actually I kind of just devised the plan because it wasn't really what was asked of us. It was just like another way for, again, to us to practice our community speaking. Be It brings, you know, we try to have fun here. And to have a little bit of humor and fun is goes a long way. So we'll be commentating the cornhole tournament, kind of like uh, sports casting style. Um, we might get Ramsey and, and, and uh, Matt to do some like infield interviews and some just some just oh, over yeah, the yeah. top uh, fun stuff just to promote this cornhole tournament into Pro Bowl Mountain Brothers, and who knows, maybe we'll be broadcasting NFL Super Bowls. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but it's just, it's just something fun to do. Um, so there's that. That's June 3rd. Starts at uh, noon, and then that'll go till uh, I think cornhole gets done around 7 or 8 p.m., 
And then we're, our gig is kind of done, but we're going to stick around and just hang out with everybody while they do their live band um, and stuff like that. You know, cause if they're, they're supporting us during the day, we'll be there supporting the band and stuff that night. So that'll be fun. We're all going to be there for that. Um, things that are going to be available for that. First thing, Sean, do you want to talk about the Mule Deer Hunt? Yes. So we, uh, as you guys know, we've uh, slowly became the turkey hunt guys um, doing that raffle the last two years. And, you know, we thought that bringing something else to the table could be very fun and, uh, you know, cool for the community and things like that. And so something just, to do the other half of the year. Right. And so we came up with the idea of doing a mule deer hunt um, that we have purchased through Two Leggings Outfitters. Um, and we are also partnering with uh, the Out of Darkness um, Suicide Awareness um, again, which we, you know, those people over there, Jill and, and they're fantastic and um, Jill and Doug. And um, we think that's something really cool that uh, we can bring to the table. Um, tickets are available now as of now. Um, you know, if you actually, they are actually, Sean, take yours. You have the camera closest to you. Uh, let's see here. Oh, you're, 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 you were on the right camera. Oh, I don't think I'm, I, I don't got long enough arms to do that. No, you're good. I don't well, no, you can't. Yeah, we'll share it somewhere, but yeah. here, we got the tickets right in front of us. We're ready to start, uh, dispersing them as we can. We really think, and is there a limit on those, Sean? Yes, there is. There's a, uh, a, 500 tickets um, are going to be sold. Um, The drawing will be held uh, no matter the ticket sales. However many are are sold, um, the drawing will be held uh, September 30th. Um, The hunt is for October 20th through the 25th. Um, So that's uh, that comes out typically comes out to about a four day somewhere there. Yeah, it's a four day hunt. And uh, the drawing will be held at the Iowa's. Yep. Yeah. So September that's going to be more of an event. You know, last time it was a little bit of a last minute deal, but we're going to turn this into more of a production. Um, it's really cool. This Jill, you know, I wasn't able to experience it, but this Jill, that's the head for uh, the local chapter of Out of Darkness, um, Out of the Darkness, excuse me. Um, she does a really, she's really good at public speaking and does a really good job of portraying the reason why she does what she does and why out of darkness out of the darkness does what they do so we'll be there with her we'll be there with the high horse our friends at the high horse saloon um and we're going to do the drawing there and that's going to be a lot of fun we'll maybe i think we're we've been tossed around the idea of a band dj uh potentially a special food that night something like that so it's going to be really cool um so yeah we'll have deer tickets available at broadview days and all summer long we do have an event that we booked for August. I'm not going to talk about it yet because I want to get it completely yep. lined out and completely uh, set in stone. One thing um, on these tickets, so they're $50 a ticket, uh, must be 18 years or older. Same, uh, you know, rules and regulations apply that we have with the turkey hunt, things like that. Um, can only be sold in Montana. Um, so if you guys want to get a hold of these, um, you know, all our social medias, we're plugging all that stuff, you know, getting that, getting that out in the community. And obviously if you know us, just get a hold of one of the four of us and we'll be happy to get you guys a ticket. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, any Facebook that you have that you can contact Sean Ramsey or myself, uh, messenger is a really good avenue for getting tickets. I actually just had three different people. Hit or, me up. or you can call or text. Yeah. So we also have, uh, uh, our email, uh, bullmtnbrothers at gmail.com. You can email us there, or we have a phone number on our advertisement, 406-672-3726. That's a number you can get a hold of us. Uh, just maybe an easier route to uh, call. And then, you know, all we're going to do if you call us is we're going to write your name down, and then we're going to find out how we can come to you and uh, 
get you the ticket. And uh, of course, like Sean said, you can only buy them in Montana. Can't buy, can't sell them online. Uh, a couple little restrictions that you guys are, you know, if you bought turkey tickets, you're pretty aware how the how the shin did go. So uh, check those mule deer tickets out. We are. We couldn't really say this with the turkey hunt because you don't really know, but I have this feeling that I don't know if these are going to last as long as the turkey tickets. They're pretty cool. Mule deer hunt yeah. in Montana is pretty exciting. Well, the biggest thing is, is you're hunting a private ranch that's big, opening week. Yeah, so you're getting pick of the litter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do have pick of the litter. I mean, it's it's going to be a phenomenal four days. Yeah, and we're more than excited. I mean, this is something, you know, every time we can share our uh, life in the outdoors with somebody is a blessing to us, you know, and a blessing to us to be able to help Jill and out of the darkness because they've been nothing but great to us. Um, so yeah, check out the mule deer hunt next in the news. You know, this is all the stuff that, you know, <laughs> in April when we're like, Hey, coming up soon, coming up soon. Well, April, April is mayhem and it's p- slowly pushing over into May. I mean, really? Yeah. And it took till like the 20th of May for everything to like re get into motion. And now we're like, boom, Everything's just coming out. Uh, we're ready to go. Podcasts are coming out. Videos are coming out. All these events that we've been trying to schedule are coming out. So we have the Mule Deer Hunt that's available at this booth in June. And Ramsey, what else did we just drop that has been the thing we've been working on all year? Merchandise. We've got, uh, as you can see, shirts here. We've got white. We've got, what is the other color? Coyote a, tan. Coyote tan. Yeah. And this leads to a, a really... Uh, big conversation piece that we've been talking about. Uh, we're trying to hop into the clothing industry. So this is a clothing line. We know we, we did artwork for these. We did, uh, we've had a lot of time meetings. And I mean, we've had, we had several meetings with a, with a local artist that, uh, if you go check out our website, you'll be able to get a little, um, bio of him. Yep. And the um, website's ready to go on what we have right now. Yeah. Mark's an awesome guy. We did a, we did a lot of good things with him. Um, the whole idea behind it was, you know, we kind of sat down and we're like looking at, you know, like the logo that Matt's wearing on his hat right now was, you know, it was just, it was just our podcast and we kind of were looking at I it also, oh, I guess he that's does a first. Too. Yeah, that is, <laughs> he's actually wearing company apparel. Uh, but we kind of looked at it and went, you know, we could do, we can offer a lot of things, um, as far as creative artwork on clothing. And, you know, we sat down and it was, it was great, you know two or three meetings with uh with mark to sit down and be able to just kind of like pick our brains you know as a group well and i'm okay with right this second um we've been kind of saving the for purposes of excitement uh not showing our artwork for the season but if you guys wanted you could talk you and ram could talk real quick about the artwork that we have for this year and if you guys want to pull up the uh uh, we have a basically a portfolio of the designs that that would be great. And Sean's just kinda, computer is dead. Ah, but so never mind. One thing that <laughs> well, one, we can let's let's uh, link it in the video right here. Right, so yeah. Ramsey's gonna link it in the video It'll right here. Be right there. No, <laughs> um, absolutely not where I'm gonna put it. <laughs> and so, why don't you guys pull it up on your phone then, and then you guys talk about the designs we have, um, and then uh, kind of what we're doing with you know, you guys both know what's going on with the clothing brand let's talk about it so the first the two big you know big ones that i want to talk about is you know we decided these for booth season coming up that we need um outside of the one that we have here and then on our hats um we wanted to drop some more uh some more of those logos that we spent time to create and things um so four broadview days 
Um, that'll be probably the first public appearance that we can sell this uh, these new logos at. Is we have a, I mean, unless you were at the Squire. No, no, no. Oh, you're talking about okay. No, so gotcha. we have the new. This is a new logo design that's really sleek and smooth that we kind of came up with here. That uh, uh, they're not going to be able to. I mean, kind of. They well. Can, well, just, you know, like I said, we'll link in the, the one picture and then let's talk about like, uh, so we have, uh, what is the, what are you guys calling this one that we have right now? What is, that's the mountain shed, uh, logo. Shed it's a pretty logo. cool logo. That's, uh, it's kind of like a, how would you explain the design on the elk? What was that? Like a, well, the cool thing was, is that shed is actually one that, uh, was found by, uh, one of the members of Beaumont Brothers. Yeah. I mean, Ramsey found it. It's got a devil's tine on it. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, modeled after that. We got, uh, you know, that's this mountain shed. Um, then we got going into, we got the gateway elk that yeah. we like to what call. Sean was just showing. If you could see that in yep. the video, that's a, a really cool, uh, can you describe it to us? It's like, a. uh, we try to go more simple for stuff. And what it is, is it's a mountain scene with two horns coming out around it, and then there's a river running down yep. to the bottom of it. And it is actually the mountains from our actual company logo. So it is. It is. So it's it's cool. And then, uh, you know, we, we we thought of the idea of getting into the, um, you know, subdivided versions of the outdoors that we do as a group. Um, fishing, yep. big one. So we came up with a fishing logo that... Uh, Super is, badass is going to be you know it'll be dropping more to, more towards the you know kind of mid season summer fishing. Um, it will be available for this booth event in August. We will have them, yes. and I don't think we're going to have them for Broadview days. Yes, no. correct. No, um, the other logo that uh, is well, this the next one was an idea a brainstorm. If you you know it came out of your brain and you guys took it and ran with it, uh, and it really turned out really cool. You guys are yeah. more excited about that than anything. Go well, talk I'll about tell you that. the first name that we had for it was a we call it the podcast deer. And, you know, as we slowly sat down and looked at it after, you know, Mark created this amazing artwork for us was, it's not a deer. It's not a deer. It's no. not a deer. And we kind of always took it that way. As, as Be the, real ignorant if we called it a podcast. Right. And so, te- like, the new name for it now is the Podcast Elk. It is a, you know, it's a colorful logo that represents what we do in this room. The podcast. Yeah. And yeah, that's the face of the podcast. What, what, what do you guys say? It's like more like a cart cartoonish yeah yeah, it's like it's like animation you know that crosses real realism with uh literally the the way this happened was i had this idea in my brain and i told our artist mark i was like hey i want i said a deer at the time i was like i want a deer wearing headphones and talking into a boom mic and what he came up with was so beyond what i had in my head but it turned out amazing yeah definitely i mean it was it and was i can see every kid from like two to 90 were in these oh for sure and i say kid because i still feel like a goddamn kid <laughs> just throwing that out there before you guys ding me <laughs> <laughs> and you know and then also the other things we're doing is we th- there's a lot of options that we can do with uh with this logo here and you know i kind of sat down with our um uh, you know our good friends at the clothing manufacturers that we use and um you know, color scheme stuff like that can be used so much, and that'll be a shirt oh, yeah. that you'll see uh, within Broadview days, uh, especially that uh, it's just kind of another color scheme of that logo there. That you know, it just pops. Looks yeah, you're great. dropping a third shed mountain shed design yep. f- specifically for Broadview days. Yep. 
Um, and then the other, the last thing that's coming out, the the closest that will be also sold at Bravity Days is the Gateway Elk Shed um, with the mountain and the and the river. Uh, we're we're putting that on a hat. It's going to contrast the shirts with the colors and everything like that. You know, just we always like that idea of having um, exactly like Ramsey has right now. Exactly, right. exactly. You know, where where you can wear that torso apparel that matches your head things yep. like that like we we really like doing that and uh that's something that you know we came up with and um so those are the 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 podcast elk um the fish and then the, we we actually have a uh, another logo that's a specifically for hats yep. that that's we're like doing a patch hat, it's it? a patch hat it's you know it's just a simple acronym of our company um with the established things like that you see it all over the place right. in a lot of places it just looks sleek and clean it I mean, specifically designed for a patch hat. I mean, it it looks phenomenal on some mock-ups that we've It's done. one of those things that, like, if you're a Bull Mountain Brothers fan, but you're going to, like, a nice dinner, like a work dinner or something, yeah. you can wear it, and it's not going to be, like, over the top. I mean, it's right. a simple, good-looking hat. And that's kind of a route we went with, like, all of these designs was something you could wear. Now, Every if you day. go check out our website, the Coyote Brown Mountain Shed shirt. So we have it in the Coyote Brown. We have it in the white right now. Um Sean has is sporting it in a and it looks fan. It's a fantastic camp shirt. It's an undershirt for you know. We talked about it too, though. It fits well. I mean, you could wear it hunting. Easily. Seriously, I mean, it fits. The yellow's well. a little bit bright-ish, but I still think it blends in enough that yeah. like you know that color. Uh, it's really attractive, and I and I say like. Uh, like Sean said, like a good shed hunting shirt or, um, you know, like I said, just you take off your camo and you want to go walk over to the bar. It's really just a nice, you know, or like a, a food joint in town on your way out. Like it's just a nice uh, casual shirt to wear. And uh, we're really proud of, you know, like I said, this has been, you know, what is it? May 23rd or something like that. Second. 20, 22nd. Uh, we've spent all of this year, you know, minus the couple months on the turkey hunt, but uh, most of our effort has been for these two things. Um, and we're more, you know, that's our, that's what we can offer you guys. And, uh, we think we have really competitive prices. Um, you know, we'll have some, I think we've talked about potentially some booth only sales potentially down the road. Um, so check those out. And then, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Or we just check out the website. We're going to, you know, Sean and I's idea for the clothing drops is just going to be, you know, of course, as you know, we gotta see how sales do, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it could be three weeks from now. And a random color and a random artwork comes out, and it's exclusive. These, you know, any this white shirt will never be. You'll never be able to get that again. It'll never look like that ever in the existence. So you can't just order that shirt. Anything that you see right now on the website or anything, it's it's one time only deal. And then, and the you know, just for the people out there that are you know getting a little anxious on some of these logos. So essentially, when Broadview Days hits, you know, June third, we're gonna have close to close to 10 different designs that'll be actually available. Um, some, you know, some of them might be uh, discounted prices, but um, as far as that goes, we're going to have almost 10 different logos in different apparel that are going to be available. And are the people able to pre-order the logos we don't have? Um, I don't know if that's something we've really developed yet. I mean, obviously, if you want to just say, hey, I want... If you want. The only problem with that is, like, we don't know what color of the shirt and stuff we're doing until we drop it. So pre-order might be... Now, that might be something we can do once we develop it. Um, We can say, hey, this design's coming out. Order yours today. That would be actually pretty cool. Um, But as far as the other stuff goes, I mean, this is just... I mean, you're you're never going to... That's the thing. It's like, I, I always thought with fashion, and this might not be... 
Like I didn't go to school for it or whatever. But like, you know, when Sean and I sit down, it's like, I don't want to be wearing the same shirt that the guy walking down the street is. So if we have a limited quantity, you know. Well, I would say this is more of a passion project for you and Sean. I mean, you guys really take so much passion into making something that the public would love to wear. Yeah. And that's been a hard thing too, is like getting out of like what we think looks good. You know, it's like, we got to look at like, it's true. What we think everyone would think would look good because, you know, I wouldn't, I would be the kind of guy that had giant horns or something on the shirt. And so we're just going with these sleek, nice, uh, attractive designs. And of course, you know, we're not going to sit here and say me and Sean brainstorm this whole, this has been a very big community, uh, you know, company effort. Uh, everyone in here has voiced, you know, voiced their opinions. And, uh, uh, we're just excited to see where it goes because, you know, this has been, you know, we don't really talk about it. We may have kind of touched on it over the past, but this is kind of our first like passion that we had as Bull Mountain Brothers was, you know, the podcast was the first, like, you know, whatever, but the first like big deal, like this is something we've been talking about since, before Bull Mountain Brothers even had their first podcast is having our own clothing line, you know, instead of just a, a logoed shirt or something like that, just a legitimate clothing company, which hopefully leads into hunting gear, hunting apparel and stuff like that down the road. But this is a start to hopefully something big. Hopefully you guys like it and hopefully we can market it to a new audience um, down the road. So yeah, those are two big things that we've been holding off for <laughs> a month and a half and still big things to come. Absolutely huge things to come. Uh, this has been, uh, you know, it's crazy how, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, you know, life throws you a curveball. You got to reroute your your day to day life and stuff like that. But then you got something like this that changes, you know, this is a weird, this is a very d interesting company because it changes its momentum every week. And uh, right now it's, it's uh, what would they say, balls to the walls, right? Really. And uh, we're just hoping that we can provide the best and most professional entertainment and uh, stuff that we can. And I guess Sean's got one more thing. <laughs> Before we get into this interview, I don't, like I said, I don't want to go too long because I really don't want to cut into, uh, you know, you guys, you guys are here probably for the Josh Fields interview. So uh, yeah, we got one more thing that we're going to probably have at the booth too. So uh big thing that we've been, actually, it's been, uh, we're doing a lot of the, um, I can never remember this, the. CNC. Right. No, what's the. the, the R&D. R &D. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> we're doing a lot of the R&D behind uh, becoming uh, or creating our own um, European mount system. Um, and we actually sat down with a, uh, we stumbled across an engineer. It's funny how this stuff happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we sat down with him and discussed some things and, uh, we actually are going to be, um, selling, um, deer. We have some Mac. Yeah. Matt will go grab one. We're going to be selling. Uh, this is just uh, a prototype that we have here. It'll be a little bit, you know, more painted things like that. It'll be touched up, but yeah, it'll be nice looking. Um, but it's a European mount for uh, deer. Um, that you know we've you know we have several in here from you know different brands and things like that and we just thought nope yeah so that's the deer uh can you reach out a little bit further there we go it's perfect yeah uh, so that's a bmb deer mount right there and you know not to interrupt sean but this really became this wasn't like a you know when we're talking about the clothing line that's been a passion for almost two years now this has been something that kind of developed out of necessity where um and i kind of started with I shot my bull this year and I Europeaned it. And it's like, you go to the store right now, there's only a couple companies that hold the monopoly on uh, wall mounts for Europeans. And they're like $70 a mount. Like they're just, and it's just like, man, I really don't want to pay $70 to put that up there. You know, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm just cheap. But our big deal is like, how can we manufacture something like this for the everyday guy that goes through, you know, 
down the aisle or goes to, you know, obviously these are going to be available at Boost and online uh, that, you know, has a really good price point. And what, what price points did you guys discuss for the, just so you can get an idea, like what these things are going to, you know, why we, I think that we decided that the, the mule or the, the deer, so it's white tail mule deer, whatever, antelope, uh, anything with that small based head. Uh, cause you know, these are, yeah. So, uh, we're going $25, which is, <laughs> I mean, industry wide, that is bone, you know, super cheap. And of course, like we said, with the clothing too, I mean, we're going to have deals and, and, and coupons and stuff like that. And then we have an elk one that we're still kind of in development because it needs a little bit of touching up. Yes. Well, it's in development and thanks to John Holcomb designs. I mean, their quality, I mean, they've been tested up to 400 pounds hanging on the wall, tested yeah. and, and survived the test. Yeah. I mean, what deer heads going to weigh 400 pounds? I mean, they're right. not, I mean, you're getting value, but you're getting something we will stand behind. Yeah. And of course, there's a, some of the name brand stuff have swivel mounts and stuff like that. We're going basic for right now. We want something that, the, you know, uh, you know, little Steven goes and he shoots his first deer and, you know, his dad, I'd like to put on the wall, does a European mount. And dad says, well, oh, I can go for a $25 Bull Mountain Brothers mount, put on the wall. Um, and there it is. So, um I don't know when they'll be, I don't think they'll be on the website. I think we're going to be at Broadview Days first and then they'll be yeah. on the website because we're going to do a trial run to see how people like them. Uh, but the deer ones are going to be available for Broadview Days. And again, when we say we're touching up the elk one, it's not because it, you know, Matt said, just just said they hold four or 500 pounds. Um, we're just fixing the the base on it, you know, just to fit the skulls better. So we ha it reaches, it's a little thick right now and it doesn't fit, you know, unless it's a big bull, it won't fit. So we just need to trim it down a little bit. Um, but, you know, the thing that Sean likes about them, they're saying, is you know, uh, they're sturdy. Uh, they don't really have a lot of flex. We have some up here that are very flexible, and over time, you could really potentially have a break or a the, bend down. The biggest thing that that I looked at it was the, you know, you get a deer one, and you know, you want to change the angle, right? And so you can sit there and you can grab the thing once you get it bolted in, or even when it's in your hands, and you can bend it and try and get it to the right angle. But as you do that, that steel weakens. You know what I mean? Um, not saying that all these brands out there if you do that a lot they're gonna break I'm right saying right. that but in our case you like with the deer one you know we worked on it to make sure that you can still do that with your hands to be able to move it where you want and you may need like a pair of pliers with some cloth around it so yeah don't scratch it out. well i guess the piece going in the skull doesn't really matter a sure. whole lot but you can still move that piece to reach because yeah. a we, wrench is really we like, all you need we like can you fix the antelope here someone bumped it i bump it we, we do like that angle where it's out a little bit but there's also like that's the flush mounted one there that's going to be more essentially you know it's like a shadow yeah um shadow on the wall and you'll see a little bit more of our mount you know the bmb on there but then this one this one's kind of completely hidden but um yeah so we've been we've been really working hard on what we can give uh our listeners and of course there's going to be uh, hopefully a new market of people that just look at our gear and our clothing online so is that all of it? I think that's all of it. Yeah, we better. Uh, uh, Ramsey, you got anything? I do not. You've been. Uh, you missed out on the turkey hunt, though. How did you feel about that? You know, I was pretty bummed when I saw your guys' pictures and videos that you kept sending me, and phone calls and voicemails and <laughs> all that good stuff. But I was doing. I was yeah. doing some stuff that I was racing, and I, I really do. That is one of my passions in life, and I do love it. But I still wish that I could have been there. Well, I think the cool thing about what we do is like, you know, 
there's going to be something right around the corner, you know, that you can do that Matt might not be at or whatever. And yeah. we're, we're versatile and, you know, it was, it's good to have you back. I, I, for some reason, I feel like we just, I feel like we haven't seen you much. We kind of miss you. So, um, it's Sean, we can, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love Take it, it or leave it with Sean. Yeah. No, it's been, we really had a great time last weekend, the three of us, we did really good. And, um, but yeah, so I don't think, like I said, I don't want to dive into anything too no, storytelling. No, I think we need to, I think everyone's dying to hear the story. Yeah, yeah this, so let's, this interview uh, is phenomenal. Uh, we're going to run uh, our good, we're going to tell you a little bit about our good friends at Right on Trek right now. And then uh, when we get back from that message, you're going to hear from uh, us and Josh Fields. So uh, check that out. We'd like to tell you about our friends over at Right on Trek, a new company that's innovating the outdoors. You know, they for sure are innovating the outdoors, like backpacking meals. I mean, they do, they're available nationwide now in stores, which is super cool. Everybody, you know, across the nation can get, uh, get their required meals they need for a certain outdoor adventure. The cool thing that they're doing over there too, is you can go to their website and you can, whatever fits your individual need for calorie count, you know, how many days you're going. People. Exactly. The number of people that uh, you got going on your trip, they'll, they'll help you through that. Um, you know, some people may not be uh, very, you know, keen on what food to bring, things like that. Right. Um, another bonus they're doing at Ride on Track is they got uh, they got snacks that are, you know, they're... With each meal. Exactly. They're, that was a shock to us when we're seeing that because, we, you know, we've dealt with some competitors and things. And Well, it's funny because they're like, what is, do we add the cheese or do we just eat the cheese? Right, because we had a cheese stick on ours. And, you know, they got a bunch of other things they're putting on, you know, different meals. They got jerky, tuna, uh, I mean, nuts, crackers. I mean, all that essential high-dollar protein that you need on your outdoor adventures. Um they're another thing that separates them, which is really cool, is they're fresher ingredients. And it's it's truly like you're cooking in your kitchen on a Tuesday night getting ready to go to work the next day. Uh you it's not just add the boiling water to the meal. It's you can sit there and you can stir it, get your chef boy idea on, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's 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 a cool experience and it was fun. It was definitely fun for us. Um, they, you know, also one thing that you guys got to check out too, is they are, they have a, uh, Mac and cheese rated number one by the backpacker magazine, which is super cool. We have not tried that one yet, but we are all we're going to, yeah, we're definitely going to try that. Now, the other cool thing that they're doing at Ride on Trek, it's called the wilderness edge. And basically what that is, is a 24 hour, 24 seven, excuse me, automated vending machine. You can walk up check out everything you need. You can even reserve it in advance online. And so what you can get there, you can, it'll support your backpacking, camping, hiking gear, uh, bear spray, meals, uh, essentials, lighters, towels, all that good stuff you need for all your trips. Their first location for the Wilderness Edge will be in Glacier National Park. And it is going to be between the airport and the park entrance. They just wrapped up construction at the end of 2022. And they'll have some pictures of it later on in the spring. They also, if you are a guide, they offer a delivery service. So if you're within a 500-mile radius and you're a guide, you can set up with them to where they will deliver everything you need for clients and whatnot right then and there. 
If you'd like to get your hand on some Right on Trek meals, this is the best time out of the whole season. All of their meals right now are 14 to 40% off, uh, which is their 22 lineup. So they must be getting ready to gear up to to, give, to bring all of our audience even more um, amazing meals. If you guys are first-time buyers, make sure to use the code REVOLUTION25 at checkout to get 25% off your first order. And if you want to get to the website, you can go check out all of our social medias. Our link tree has the link. Click on the link. Go there. Put your meals in. Get your Use your promo code, and uh, you'll be good to go. So um, other than that, we have it uh, posted on our website, too. So you can get linked from there, too, if you're trying to get to the website, get straight to their meals. Use our link. Um, and, yeah, that's right on track. Today, we are joined by a special guest and new friend of the podcast, Josh Fields. He's a marketing and sales director for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. He had an extensive career in the MLB, was a detective in Montana, and a lot more. And we are more than excited to have him on the show today. Josh, how are you? I'm good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to see you guys are all well once again. Yeah, we actually um, had a little bit of a snafu last week. Sean's uh, computer quit him when we were going to do the podcast last week. So we actually got to sit down with you and have a pretty good conversation and get to meet you. So that way we kind of already know kind of how we want to get into this. Uh, I think yeah, that, yeah, uh, no, it was great. I think we're just going to start out with, let's start, let's start as we like to always go back first. Let's go back to the beginning years of Josh Fields life. Maybe not all the way back to elementary school, but let's start with, uh, um, let's start with your MLB career. That's kind of, what sounds like the beginning of your um, adult life. And that would be something that I think is interesting to start with. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Um, uh, so the short version uh, grew up here in Northwest Montana, uh, born and bred to say, and just played baseball all the way from little league, all the way up to, to Legion baseball. and was fortunate to go to Mason community college and, and then on to having an opportunity in the Chicago White Sox organization where I was a right-handed pitcher for, for nine years and played all the way up to AAA and over in Venezuela, the whole nine yards. And my joke, as we talked about last week a little bit, is I did everything except make all the money. I was a, I was a dinosaur uh, in professional baseball uh, to last that long. And, and uh, I have a good lengthy career, but like I said, I did everything except make all the money, but on the flip side, it allowed me to uh, hunt and fish a lot in the off season. And so right out of baseball, you decided that you wanted to take a different route and that led you into law enforcement, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. So I uh, finished up in 2009 and I'd always kept my residency in Montana um, at a home in Montana. So uh, for fishing, hunting, all that good stuff. Uh, and all my family's still here in Montana. Um, so going from baseball and traveling a bunch coming back home I'm, i have a choice to make what am i going to do do my my grandfather was a assistant police chief in anaconda for 20 years and, and i'd always like law enforcement noteworthy profession i really thank the men and women that that still do it today uh and i jumped in law enforcement and uh became a police officer to start so that was was that basically you know your 20s and 30s i would say or Yep. So I signed professionally when I was 20 and uh, 20, 21 and played until 28, 29. 
and then actually started out in corrections. Uh, one thing in law enforcement, you know, they, they like three things, education, experience, um, and law enforcement experience. And, and I had education, but no experience. So I went to, to Deer Lodge and I worked there for a year and got post certified and then uh, had two out of three. And then uh, took my first patrol job was in Haver, Montana, and I was 30 years old. Yeah. And so now you're running, uh, basically getting to play in the woods, uh, as a career and <laughs> no, nah, that's not all of it, but you know, we all kind of, yeah. you know, we, we've talked a lot to a lot of people on here about, um, their lives within the hunting and fishing industry. And of course we all know right. it's not all, uh, you know, daisies and green grass and everything. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but oh, yes, yeah. you get to do right. some fun things. So let's, let's take the connection here from, you know, we always talk to people about, we're all outdoorsmen. We all kind of had some start, you know, a little background on Sean. Um, for you, Josh, as Sean started hunting about, what was it, five years ago? Yeah, five, six years as ago. As a young adult, mm -hmm. um, which was, a, it's really cool for us, you know, and Ramsey and I grew up doing it. And Matt, um, you know, his dad was an outfitter, so he has entirely different right. upbringing. And so what we like to know is, you know, what's your hunting story? What brought you, of course, you know, you had your entire baseball and, uh, you know, law enforcement career, but somehow at the beginning, the middle and the end, uh, you're doing what I would assume is your passion in the outdoors. What, what started you on that? How are, how are you going along that path yeah. now? Yep. So, so kind of like, uh, you guys, Matt, you know, his, his dad was an outfitter. My dad wasn't an outfitter, but he was very avid in the outdoors along with my uncle. So I was very fortunate to have a father and uncles that, that loved to be in the woods as much as I did. So it started at a very young age. Um, well before, you know, when you're legal at, at, in 12 in Montana, I was out and about in the woods tagging along with dad and my uncle. So, and just, you get the bug. I think, you know, it, it can grow on you, but I think a lot of us, it's kind of instilled in us, um, heritage, so to speak. So I was out in the woods from a very, very young age, but I didn't start uh, archery hunting until my mid twenties. Um, sh shockingly enough, because of, you know, I've been, I think, like you said, in the outdoor industry, I've been on a lot of hunts. I've been fortunate to go a lot of places, do a lot of cool things. The best thing in the hunting industry is meeting great people that are in the industry. Um, but yeah, I, I was mainly a, a rifle hunter and outdoorsman and fish like crazy all the way up to a, a mid twenties. and was fortunate to, to be able to, to get out a lot and have some success and just started, started very early, just like three out of four of you guys did. So what was the, uh, was there a, a different, so like, let's say you get out of law enforcement, right? Was there a, mm -hmm. in between that and Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, was there a, like another organization that you did hunting stuff with or was yeah, it straight into, there, um, that it, adventure? It was all of about, it was all of about two days <laughs> from, uh, putting my notice in, uh, with the state and then moving over to, to Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. I had been doing stuff with them prior, uh, as we discussed for, for many years, 15 plus years. So, um. The transition was, yeah, was about, honestly, it was two days. I ended on a Friday, started full-time on a Monday. Jeez, that's awesome. Well, I'd say before we really get into, you know, more of your direction, why can you give us basically a rundown for those, you know, <laughs> there's going to be very little people, I would say, that, you know, if they're the, you know, of course, in our podcast, we touch on a lot of different outdoor activities, you know, hunting and fishing being obviously the main uh, you know, 95% of what we do, but we have listeners that aren't quite all, you know, hardcore, uh, 
you know, staying relevant, what's going on. But if, if you're in hunting, you're probably aware of what Rocky Mountain hunting calls is you can't go down a Cabela's, uh, call aisle without seeing an entire rack full of white and blue. So, um, do you, could you give us kind of a rundown of maybe the history and the, you know, what Rocky Mountain hunting calls is doing today? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, Rocky Mountain hunting calls was started by a guy named Rocky Jacobson. Um, like you said, if you know anything western hunting or elk hunting archery elk hunting uh, in the call um category so to speak you know rocky jacobson uh his son Corey jacobson big big names in the industry uh rocky started uh rocky mountain hunting calls in a little place called Kamiat, idaho in 1994 um and had it all the way up through well, it would have been about 2019 when he had sold to the current owners now, um, who I am employed by. And then Rocky's still uh, today involved in research and development, um, living semi-retired life. But that's kind of kind of the rundown of how it started. It's it's grown immensely, obviously. Uh, you know, base box stores to the mom and pops and uh, online. Uh, it's just it's quadrupled and, and Rocky has definitely left his legacy. I like to say, um, in the elk hunting world, that's kind of our own little world, Rocky mountain hunting calls. We supply our bread and butter, which is archery elk hunting. So diaphragms, bugle tubes, uh, external pal calls, you name it. We got it. We have a deer line where we have a very good predator line as well. Turkey as well. Um, jumping more and more and growing into the accessories with the game bags, uh, and a lot of other new and exciting products that are coming on down the road that, that um, we're, we're super excited about as a team. Um, we just continue to, uh, to innovate and develop. And uh, that's how Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls had, had started. And Rocky continued, uh, you know, the vision to want to make everything better and, and think of the new stuff and what's the next uh, best thing since sliced bread. And uh, we've kind of, you know, all been taken under his wing and, and especially my myself as he was a mentor, I did not have, start having some serious archery success, uh, elk success until I met Rocky many years ago. So that's kind of just quick history on Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. There's a lot more to it. We are uh, absolutely, you know, a staple in the industry. I'm very proud to say that. I think our product stands uh, you know, second to none. And, and you can take it to the bank as quality stuff. Um, I know you guys have uh, experience with it personally. So, um, yeah, kind of in a nutshell, Rocky Mountain Honey Calls. You know, and the coolest thing I think for me was, is like, as Riley said, you know, I didn't get into the, um, realistically the hunting world until I was in my, you know, early twenties and then it progressed mm-hmm. into archery hunting. Um, and then you get into the elk calling and things like that. And the coolest thing that you guys do is like we talked about last week is those seminars that I've watched of Rocky going out and teaching elk language and things like that. Yeah. Like they, they take it to the next step in a way that, you know, they make a diaphragm, but they're also there to show you how to use it, you know, efficiently. Absolutely. And that, that was the biggest thing for me is why I, I, that's, I only use their calls, you know? Yeah. You, you touched on a great point there. You know, we kind of hang our hat on teaching people how to call, how to be efficient with the diaphragm and, and all the calls for that matter. So, um, uh, I appreciate you saying that because that's really what we do. It's pretty cool when, when we're at shows and seminars and, and around and somebody just cannot figure out a diaphragm, whether they have the, the gag reflex or, or whatever it is. And, and that's one point Rocky developed what's called the pallet plate. He was the first to invent the pallet plate. Um, and obviously now it's, it's really world renowned. And, and that was 
basically developed to stop the gag reflex, but somebody comes to the booth, they can't put a diaphragm in their mouth, they can't make a sound, and within literally five minutes, we'll have them making sounds and calling, and then a little bit more practice and efficiently. Some people pick it up just like that when they get a couple little 10 cent tips from the Rocky Mountain hunting call staff and crew. So that's yeah, pretty neat to see. Well, I would say it's like anything else, man. You can watch videos and you can um, mess around yourself, but like real time game time experience under coaching is just like, it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only yes. way I think that um, it's like, like hunting as a whole, too. Like you can read and watch and do anything you want hunting wise, but until you get out in real time experiences and you're actually sitting in, you know, 50 yards from a bugling elk and stuff like that, it's it's hard to really, you know, get any practice for those real time situations. Well, and, and that same thing happened with me was because, you know, I, as I progressed in, in using diaphragms for elk calling, I, you know, we got into the turkey hunting and I, I bought a turkey diaphragm and for the life of me, I could not get it to make any sound at all. And I didn't know it was wrong. And it was literally five minutes at the cabin with Riley and he goes, nope, this is what you need to do. Try this, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I did it and it it, it works, you know, it's just like, you can't just Mm -hmm. sit down and just assume that you're going to be able to make the right sounds. You know, having those coaching moments definitely helps you out. Really fast. I mean, that was just at the cabin. I mean, you know, we, we ended up picking up the last package of your hunting calls that we could find in Billings. Yeah. That's actually a funny story. We, uh, we're headed out. Were we? Was it? Were we guiding that weekend, or that was just this weekend? Uh, or no, two weekends. It was two ago. weekends we, we ago. Were guiding, yes. And I had somehow left my bino harness, which I've been keeping my diaphragms in. Uh, I didn't even know where I, I lost it somewhere. And so we're leaving town. And I didn't want to double back to Cabela's, so we went to the uh, uh, Superior Archery in Billings. This is the archery shop here, mm-hmm. and uh, they have, I think, all of their. They only use. Rocky Mountain. I think it is their, solely yeah, only and them, their, yeah. And there are rows, but I took the last package, the triple package of turkey calls and it saved my butt. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Well, that's good. And, and that's, you know, I appreciate you guys saying that because that's stuff we love to hear. And it, like I said, the, the product alone, you guys know firsthand, speaks for itself. You, you know, look at the people that are involved with Rocky Mountain honey calls from the biggest names in the industry to include Steve Chappell and and Christy Titus, you know, we got a Montana guy named by the name of Jason Matzinger, you guys might know, um, you know, that that really believe in our stuff and continue to use our stuff just because of the quality of it, you know. So uh, I always love hearing those kind of stories right there. Uh, I, I mean, although you just made a little work for me because I better get on the horn with Superior Archery down that way and say, <laughs> hey, I hear you guys need some more turkey calls. So, <laughs> Yeah. Do you have a uh, do you have a first time uh, diaphragm story at all? Like when you first started yeah, using lot, one? Lots of them. I, I was not efficient at it with a diaphragm whatsoever. Um, starting out real bad gag reflex. I didn't think I was ever going to figure this this out. And then um, with, with all different types uh, until I met Rocky and got with Rocky Mountain hunting calls. And then obviously being mentored by him and learning a bunch of tricks, even though he don't teach me any tricks anymore because I beat him <laughs> at the world championship elk calling uh, <laughs> a couple of times seriously yeah so he, he won't give me any any more tips but uh yeah that was kind of the kind of the the turning point for me um like a lot of people just could not get it figured out until uh, i was able to get with somebody that really knew what they were talking about and uh were able to educate and and relay it to me so it made sense so uh yeah that's kind of how it started well and that's got to be something huge from when you first started without all the internet, all the YouTube that we have now. Right. And not not being able to have 
something you can just top onto on your phone out in the wild and you got to try figuring it out compared to where we're at now it's just balance bounds and leaps yeah definitely yeah. so it's I, night and day you made you made a good point though too you know there's a lot of stuff out there and we can watch videos and and, and you're on the internet and all that but uh and i can't remember which one maybe it was you ramsey that said there, there's nothing experience is gold right there's nothing like putting those boots on the ground for for men and women outdoorsmen as a whole and getting that experience out to the field uh, there's nothing that can replicate that you can get pretty close with a lot of the the stuff out there today it gives you a bit of a much more of a foundation that matt as you said when we started it's blood sweat and tears it, you're learning it all out there on your own and if you know if you're not lucky enough like i was to run into a rocky jackson it's probably gonna take you a little bit longer so um exactly you know and the, i think another big thing about like the coaching stuff is you know when i first was getting into it of course all i was doing was scouring youtube just watching like how to's yeah and it's it's kind of i remember that it's kind of cool to think about those because everybody almost teaches it different because you know like when when I, w- I watched a ton of cow elk um just to make a meal you know and some guys would say that you got to you got to mouth the eo with your face and then right. some other guys will yep. do the ea and so like you, you kind of can go through there and and pick your poison what works for you you know what i mean and that's that's the cool thing about yep. um what we got as an opportunity nowadays you're you're absolutely right I, and i still do it to this day watching stuff and seeing content come across the, my desk and computer I, i'm still learning and picking up little tricks of the trade and doing something different it might be much more minute now but uh the old saying you never stop learning but you're right i mean there's there's six different ways to skin a cat oh there's probably a lot more than that but uh, you kind of pick up on what you like and, and what works for you and, and keep learning and take something from here take something from there and and the stuff you don't use just process it right out and you know so since since we've already gone down this rabbit hole a little bit about elk calling um you as a teacher what's the first thing you teach somebody as far as uh you know to be able to make a sound out of a diaphragm that's that's a great question um the first thing i teach is i look at your palate we get real up close and and personal and intimate and i look and see at your palate whether you got a low profile a a mid profile or a high profile so then i'm going to fit you with our selection of of diaphragms of what's going to fit on that palate because what you need to do is you need to flex that tongue the tip of your tongue the bottom of your teeth flex that tongue up and you got to seal that air and then you're just you know get air through it and then that's going to be able to determine where if any you're losing any air but that's most likely after looking into your uh, uh, palate size and getting you the right diaphragm you're going to be making noise and that's what we're trying to do so Fit the fit the palate with the right diaphragm. You flex that tongue, tip of that tongue to the bottom of your teeth, and shh, shh. Which I was actually out earlier playing in the garage and practicing up and and all that good stuff. And you always go back to the basics. So I remember when Riley first started the diaphragm. Remember that at the shop? Oh yeah. Hours on end, you wanted to kill him all the way to Billings, all the way home. You yeah. think it was just at the shop? No, that dude was walking around the house twenty four seven with a diaphragm in his mouth. And how, I thought yeah. I was gonna lose how it. How old were you when you started when you tried to pick that up? Well, I was you know sorry to get away from Josh here, but to, to have a little bit of a story here. Um I grew up one of my best friends, his name is Josh actually. Um, he kind of was like always, I would say, if we talked in year wise few years ahead of me as far as you know this next we always talk about this next generation of hunting which is um 
the packing into the mountain hunting, the elk calls, you know, diaphragms, like stuff that's just um, very successful modern day techniques, right? Bow hunting is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just uh, driving down the road and jumping out the car and shooting stuff. It's, you know, what it is, what the stuff that, you know, guys are preaching all over. And so when I was brought up, um, there was all different kinds of techniques, but Josh was always that one that was always a step ahead. And he was a driving force into, uh, you know, it started out with duck calling, right? And then it started out and then it went to to diaphragm use and stuff like that. So most of my early hunting years were with, uh, you know, bite and blows, hoochie mama, stuff like that, stuff that's easy, but in my, you know, and it works and it definitely does. It's been proven, you know, my bowl last year was called in by a hoochie mama. I have no problem uh, with having one in the field, but for me, practicality and multi-use is a diaphragm will always be my go-to because it's hands-free. Um, I like the sound quality that comes out of it, yada, yada, yada. So Josh was actually the one who, um, you know, he was out there and he's, you know, he's an excellent, he, I didn't really learn like YouTube, like you, you did. Um, it was all Josh, my buddy, Josh teaching me, um, how to do it. And then of course, uh, I just one day decided I'm going to go get, and, um, sorry, Rocky Mountain hunting calls. It was like some, you know, I, was, I wasn't very wealthy at this time. So it was the, like, I, I don't even know what it was, dude. I bet there was like five, five dollar pack of diaphragms. And I just was in the shop and I just kept blowing on this thing and blowing on this thing with no direction until finally a noise came out. And then I understood like tongue pressure and this and yep. that. And then eventually I could make the right noises out of it. And it's, you know, like you said, it's every day you're learning more and more how to be more efficient in that realms. And I, I would say personally, even though I've been doing it for, I don't know, six or seven years, I don't consider myself at all like a, prof- you know, a professional in the diaphragm use. I just know that, you know, I can, you know, I, I've bugled in bulls many, many times. I know how to do it. I just, I wouldn't go out there and say like, I'm, you know, the Josh Fields. Well, of- well, you just heard it from a guy, you know, who's well, talking about world championship elk calling. Yes. Like he's still, like he just said, he was out in his garage just messing around. I mean, he's still got to always work towards it. Oh, you yeah. Know? Always. There's always something that you can pick up and that's great. And that's why I'm excited to get with you guys and we'll, and we'll do another podcast strictly on calling like tongue pressure and throw out all the 10 cent little tips and secrets. It's one of those things too. And like you talked about, you kept blowing, blowing, and then all of a sudden you made that sound and then you progressed and it just clicks. And that is the coolest thing when that happens. Um, Cause I was truly, you know, 20 years ago, I was in your shoes where, man, I don't know if I could figure this out. And then all of a sudden, boom, and just keep working at it. You know, you, you guys are, are the same way, like-minded. You probably have diaphragms in the truck and the council, console, and you're playing with them all the time, trying to get better. So, uh, And that's what's fun about it, because there's, there's nothing like tricking a bull elk in the woods or a cow elk for, for to say. I mean, it's just, there's truly nothing like it. Elk hunting, archery elk hunting, calling elk is a disease, and it, it truly is. So people... Uh, People live for it, men and women, which is awesome. And, and obviously, I was one of those people, and was just fortunate to uh, find a way to 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 make a living at it. So, um, we've talked now about Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, what they do. Um, really, some good information on you know the calls themselves. What where does that lead you nowadays? What does your day to day look like as a you know director for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls? What are you doing day to day? Well. Uh, the way I equate it, and not, uh, equate it, nothing against my firefighter buddies because I worked with them 
for many years in law enforcement, 12 years. You know that meme that has, it shows the firefighters what your mom thinks I do, what my mom thinks I do. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Running into buildings and ambulance chasing. And what then you really, actually do? What I really do. <laughs> yeah, it shows them sleeping there and lifting weights. So uh, we, you see a lot when, when I'm out in the field and, and doing that fun stuff is that you think, you know, that's what people really think I do, which I do get a, to do. Uh, quite a bit more probably than the average person. But what I do a lot is, is right here. Like you guys, I'm behind a computer and I'm on a phone, um, marketing and sales, a lot of that, uh, contracts. Uh, we, we have a 53 man, woman ambassador staff that I oversee. Uh, I have a coordinator that helps me out with that. Um, website stuff, you, you name it within the company, if it needs to get done, uh, I probably have a finger in it which is awesome because it always keeps your mind energized. You're always learning new stuff. Um, but yeah, um, primarily a, a lot of the marketing stuff and the sales, but there's just so many things that come with that. And um, like right now, I mean, I keep a running narrative of my to do's and what I need to do. And in May alone, I think I'm on like page 17 so <laughs> oh jesus just, just a lot of moving parts you know well, we're just, happy that we yeah. made page 17 so. <laughs> yeah well you guys have made two pages oh so. great yeah so no it's and it's good it's it's busy but it's 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 uh fulfilling work you know helping people to be out in the woods that you know save up all year long to go on a hunt and be able to help them out provide them with a with a product or, or coaching or whatever it may be to help them uh have a more of an opportunity for success, whatever they think success is out in the field. And that might just be a quality experience to get a bull to bugle or a rattle a buck in or calling a turkey or calling a coyote or whatever it may be. It's 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 pretty fun to to get someone just like you guys kind of the stories, the success stories and and just the experience that they've had uh with using Rocky Mountain Honey Calls products. So so I think what's really interesting for us compared to like, you know, and I, I don't know um, we, we try to, if you look at podcasters, you know, the top 1%, 5%, whatever, you know, they preach big time on like researching your guest, knowing exactly everything about them before you come in. But we take a different approach as far as like, you know, of course I need to know who you are and, you know, a little bit of a title and stuff, but we really try to stay away from in-depth researching because it really lets us get to know you on the podcast as like a friend, you yeah. know what I mean? And we get to yeah. actually sit here and learn more about you. And I think what's even more interesting is like our paths crossing were really not traditional. Like it would be, uh, let's say any of your ambassadors or whatever, you know, hunting guys in the fields that are mm -hmm. reaching out, reaching out. Um, it was in random email in the middle of nowhere that kind of sent us. And I think that's really cool because we can sit here and be non-biased, right? You know, we're telling you we use Rocky Mountain hunting calls and it's not because, you know, we're not getting paid for it. We're not getting... Um, right. you know, of course we're, we're creating a friendship, which is more important to us than anything will ever be, uh, because we, and that's kind of a big Bull Mountain Brothers thing is, you know, creating, you know, we always talk about that, you know, and of course solo hunting is amazing, but you know, the stories and the, the memories and stuff that you make in the field with friends and stuff like that is like, is invaluable and you can't replace that. So with that being yes. said, I think what's cool is like, you've got guys sitting here that, you know, of course you know, Sean and I are pretty, pretty hardcore diaphragm guys. And, um, I'm not going to say I, I, I use Rocky Mountain hunting calls before I ever met you, uh, clearly, cause it's only been a very short time. Um, and that's not why we met was because we use your calls. It was because of our connection with right on Trek. 
Um, yep. So I think it's a really cool conversation to have is like, we're not just sitting here being like, oh yeah, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. Well, it's just, we have real time experience using your stuff. And the cool thing is too, is like what you were, what Riley was saying about how, you know, we don't do extensive research on guests is because, you know, it's, it's cool to be able to have our first reactions talking to somebody because I feel like when we go and, you know, we could sit down and look you up and do all this research, do all that with all sure. of the guests. And it's like, all we're going to talk about is what we read, you know, the conversations that spark from us asking you questions that, you know, may not even relevate to you at all, but then somehow, you know, it circles back and it just, it just sparks more conversation that I feel like than us sitting with bullet points, knowing exactly <laughs> what you've done in your career. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you guys, and I, and I love that approach. Obviously we've hit it off with the rapport and, uh, it, it makes conversation easy, right? Because um, I've been on podcasts before, not very many, or been around them, not as a, a special guest, where they get a, they can be a little bit tougher to get information, solicit information, all that. I think you guys' approach is great, and obviously we fit it off. And most of the time, you probably can't stop me from talking, so you just gotta <laughs> Perfect. have the button push. But that but, makes our job yeah. so easy. <laughs> <laughs> we love rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, and I, I would say is like my first experience with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls was. Uh, I can remember this very distinctly because I remember going to, uh, it could have been Shields, could have been Cabela's. And it was like, and this is going to be nice for, and, and again, this was like seven years ago. So I don't know if this really affects you today, but I think it was just like, I walked in there and I didn't, I was like, I don't want to do, and I really apologize if anyone like, you know, this is just a stigma that I was around when I was younger. I don't know if I agree with it today, but it was like, I'm not going to say the brand. I'm not going to say the brand. Let's just say there were certain brands of hunting calls that were cheaper or something like that. Or like, and I was like, I, I want something that like, you know, um, cause I'm be honest with you. I'd never heard of Rocky mountain hunting calls, like advertising or nothing back. You know, I've never, right. and I just remember seeing it on the shelf and I was like, that looks, that looks kind of professional. They got like a different, you know, there's a shiny gold, uh, hard piece on it, you know, and, uh, sh this and that. And so I took it and it ended up being like, you know, my favorite go-to and that's the first bugle I ever used. Uh, was a Rocky Mountain hunting calls, but yeah. So I, I remember just being like, "Hey, that's a that's a professional looking call compared to these other ones." So that was my that was my first introduction to Rocky Mountain hunting calls. Awesome, and like you said, you know, there's been a ton of hard work for some really really awesome great people within this company over. Uh, I mean, well, it started in '94 to and it progressed to where it's at now. Um, a lot of hard work and. and we appreciate you saying something like that because uh, that was the old, the old baseball uh, saying, you know, you look good, you feel good, you play good. And and we want our stuff to look the best. We want it to perform the best. Um, and we work really, really hard to, to ensure that, that our consumer uh, and our customer has the best quality product for whatever animal or accessory they buy from Rocky Mountain Honey Calls. So that means a lot to us guys. You know, I tell you what, the one of the biggest things that caught my eye as a, as I was getting into buying diaphragms was the names you guys come up with for your for your your elk <laughs> diaphragms. I love those. Those are they're just great. I mean, have you guys ever like actually looked at oh, yeah. and just like oh, yeah. read the names that they put on all I mean, the one right now that I use, I think it's the bull. I believe. Agent Bull. Yeah. No, the, the white one. The yeah. Bull yeah. With the flames. Yeah. yeah. That one's awesome. Yeah. Rocky Signature Series. Yep. That one does really well. Yeah. So I think we always hit a point in the podcast, right? Um, you know, we try to get through your story and then go from there. 
Um, and at the end, we do like a little Q&A. Like we go around the room. It's like a little segment we do where we just in, ask you stuff as like we would sitting around the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like just, yeah. you know, just stuff about you that we we're curious about. And we're only 30 minutes in, but I think we would benefit greatly from starting that segment now because there's so many. I feel like everyone in here has so many questions hunting-wise that uh, we can just start throwing at you. If you're cool with that, we're just going to run that. If that's fine for you. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Do you have anything to throw in as far as your timeline goes? You know, something you want to throw out there before we dive into this? No, no, you guys run it. Like I said, uh, it's just, no, it's easy. Chatting with you guys is easy. I love the questions. And and like you, you'll touch on again, how our paths cross is, is pretty, I think it's pretty neat. You might not think it is neat, but just how, how it, it's intertwined. I do think that we would cross paths on some other way as well, uh, sooner than later, knowing, uh, what you guys do and, and, uh, the operation you guys got going on. And it's just, so I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for, for obviously my company, thankful that right on tracks that brought crossed our paths with Bull Mountain Brothers. And, uh, uh, we truly have formed the friendship, you know, we got that figured out real quick, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, anyhow, I'm ready when you guys are. Well, I think Sean's looking at me cause I think we're both thinking the same thing. I think you may have brought up a great point. Maybe I should finish that conversation about how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just kind of give my, our point of view on this. And then you just let me know, you just fill it, fit in where you think. Um, so we kind of talked when we, you know, to our listeners, um, a couple months ago, excuse me, a couple months ago, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a drink here in a second. Um, we talked a couple months ago, uh, with, uh, Victoria Lifshitz, right? Yeah. And we talked before that about kind of like how that became. And it was literally a random email from, and I don't know if you, if this is how you dealt with them as well, but um, I can't remember the gal's name, but it was like some long name that like legitimately seemed like scam mail. And it was right after we had charted on a outdoor, um, what was like a top 50 yeah. new outdoor podcast of 2022 or something like that. And nothing. It was like some backdoor opinion paper or something like that. And our email was on there, so I'm sure that's how they got a hold of us. But she ends up, you know, messaging us about right on track. And it took six months to get that tied down, probably. Oh, yeah. And like Easily. four months of not talking at all. And we finally get things narrowed down. I end up meeting what I assume is their like you know, right on Trek's version of yourself, their marketing guy and, you know, guy mm-hmm. that looks over the ambassadors. And we got something set up and like, hey, we think that, you know, we have a good friend, you know, uh, ambassador for right on Trek. His name's Josh Fields. Would you be interested? And we're like, well, you know, I apologize. We weren't quite sure who that was then. Um, and then we look you up and we're like, holy cow, this is like <laughs> the craziest, coolest experience we could have ever asked for. Um, and so, you know, fast forward through right on track, um, we scheduled this and, you know, of course, you know, and I think Matt's really touched on this before too, is when you meet a lot of people that are hunters and outdoorsmen, you know, everyone's really pretty like-minded unless you have some really, of course, you're going to have outliers like you do in any industry. You're going to have the, you know, hardcore, um, mm-hmm. you know, not friendly people you don't want to deal with. And then you're going to have the, you know, other spectrum as well. But most of the time, it seems like, a majority of the people we meet and have met have been really just like-minded, really good people that we've had good time talking with. And we knew this was going to be probably very similar, just the way that you approached us through email. Um, 
so yeah, Ride on Trek is how we met. And uh, what is what has been your experience with Ride on Trek so far? So so how that came about was uh, I have a really good friend up here in the Northwest, and his wife knew a guy named David Deal who works over there at, at Ride on Trek, and um, you know they wanted to break into uh, the honey market, taking a look at the honey market, uh, and had some product and. Uh, it was asked her name's Kirsten if she knew anybody that would want to try some product. And so obviously us being good friends and she said, uh, yeah, I, this guy here, that's, and, and I, th- at the time I was his own law enforcement. She, I think Kirsten thought all I did was, was hunt and fish as well. Um, but my name got thrown in the mix and then I met David and brought me over, you know, they're just right here in, in Columbia Falls, their new facility there at the edge. And, uh, at the time they were in Kalispell and, went there and we had a, had a great, great lunch and hit it off. And I got to go to the facility and, uh, that's how it really came about. And so from there I was put in touch with Victoria. Um, and what a lady there, yeah, no, uh, no, I met no, with her. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Holy smokes. Talk about, talk about experience in life and smart and all that good stuff. Right. I don't know about you guys, but when I would have meetings and stuff with her, I'm like trying to process everything that she's talking about. I'm like, Holy smokes. So, um, yeah, I would say, that, you know, Sean had pretty... talked about, uh, basically, you know, not researching your guests or whatever and having like real time, uh, reaction to yeah. stories. And she got at the end of the podcast, she's like, she kept hinting at like, uh, she had another, uh, hobby. She, she wanted to talk about her other hobbies. And so, you know, we were like, yeah, let's like go right into it. And, uh, Bet you I know what that is. Yeah. And then she comes <laughs> in, she goes, yeah, I'm really into high stakes poker. And we're like, Yep. Oh, <laughs> and then uh, goes on to say that what she just got back from, I, b- I believe it was Paris when when we yeah, had her. She's yeah. like number one, in number like one female something. in the world or something at that time. And we were like, yeah. all of us, our jaws are on the table, and we're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was. She was just like getting into the bigger tournaments when when I met her. So we, we right on track. She's like, you interested? Absolutely. And we, um, like I said, we hit it off and and got everything squared away and then it went into the the poker plane and that's you know she just has one of them minds and she's doing very very well uh not only doing that but running right on track so pretty pretty uh interesting special special gal there yeah where are you are you using right on trek in your like norm like every hunting trip you're doing now or is it just like a lot specific yeah i just actually yep i just got back from a bear hunt slash little paddle fishing uh, excursion real quick. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's tough packing your meals and putting everything together in, in the cooler. And what's great with right on tracks is knowing that I can literally throw the packages, whatever meals I'm going to have, uh, that day or for the next couple of days in the cooler, but a small cooler. And I have my <laughs> pot to boil water, uh, jet boil, whatever it may be. And I'm going to be taken care of nutritionally. And and that's the other thing right on Trek, right? Uh, only using products in the field for myself that work. I mean, it's it's my livelihood and it's like the gear, you know, you the, the saying is you buy the best that you can afford. Uh, gear doesn't make you the hunter, but the better the quality, the better you can afford it, it keeps you in the field longer. And that's absolutely what right on Trex has done in Victoria with the nutritional content in the food. It, it definitely makes you feel better and it keeps you in the field longer. Um, and it tastes really good too. I mean, I know you guys have, have tried the heck out of them. So that's been a lot of my experience. Yes, they go everywhere with me, especially 
overnight trips, um, even with the day stuff, but for sure the overnight trips in an extended period of time because it's it's so easy. I mean, instructions on the bag, super simple. They taste great, and I just feel better. You know, nothing uh, against any of the other um, meal replacements or ready to eats that are in the outdoor or industry. It's just by far and away uh, the best one that I have have found and fortunate enough to to be a part of uh, what they got going into to meet the good people that work over there as well. I totally agree with yeah, that. Too. I couldn't agree more. Well, well the coolest thing about Ride on Trek is it's an affordable luxury. You mm-hmm. know, truly. Uh, I mean, it's not expensive. It's the same price as. I think it's even a little cheaper than yeah. some of the competitors. But I mean, it's just it's an awesome luxury to have. Yeah, um, and, I, and Matt has good experience. You know, as, as a um, outfitter and you know camp camp host uh, at at buying food, right? So you know, like what you're buying for your hunting people. You know, yeah. of course, as as outfitting you have to be a little more elegant i guess you would say than your day-to-day but matt and i spend um by ourselves easily 20 days in archery season out oh, in the woods. 60 days a year <clears throat> and, and 20 specifically just him and i archery hunting um and so mm-hmm. we budget our food based off of what we're doing and still i would say right on trek is either right in par with how we're yep. affording food or even a little bit less and it's you know something we can do um, if we pitch a uh, cot in the middle of the woods, you know, we don't have to pre-make a bunch of food or anything. We can just the, make right on check right there. Definitely like the spike camp idea. Like Ramsey and I do, a, like we've been talking about a lot of that kind of going up, um, coming into this archery season with uh, tag results coming out and things like that. But the idea of having those, uh, you know, two person full meal kits for an entire day and uh, being able to just bring a sleeping bag and sleep where you drop in the middle of the mountains and have enough food to sustain yourself. And like Josh is saying, it's not feel like crap the next day when you wake up or even that night. That's just a huge benefit. There's nothing worse than uh, the stomach bubbles when you wake up in the morning <laughs> of an archery hunt. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. If you're trying to get into bugling elk at the wee hours of the morning, you don't want to be dealing with that. But No, uh, you guys, you're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. So... Um, you know, when you go like another thing, you know, Victoria just knows how to put something together and that shows even on their website, right? You go to their website, professionally done. I mean, it has anything and everything. There's still things and I play around on that thing quite a bit that, that are coming up, you know, with trails, you know, I know they did do away from, um, picking out the meals for you on there, um, to where you're picking your own meals. Um, but other than that, everything about it is, is just class act. Uh, and it gives you a really, really good foundation uh, yeah, on just one platform with right on track. So um, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And I'd say uh, we're very thankful for them. I mean, they've been quite a, quite a cool person to deal with. And of course they let us do, which uh, we really appreciate uh, the ability to sit down and talk with you. It's been, I mean, just our little short time. I've really enjoyed it. just speeded things up. Yeah, for sure. It's And you know, the stuff they're doing for the outdoor um, industry is phenomenal. And the stuff they have coming too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And who would think, yeah. you know, if you yeah. look at it from an outside perspective, uh, if you look at right on Trek, they're definitely a backpacking, like it's a, it's a community that's its own um, separate thing outside of hunting. You know, it's like, yeah. that's what it is. But for them to be accepting, you know, not accepting, but like to take in other different activities and industries and lifestyles industry. and stuff <laughs> like that, 
um, it's pretty cool because I don't see like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, let's say just California based hiking or stuff like that. I don't think they would really dip into, uh, you know, hunt, you know, accepting hunting and stuff like that. Cause it right. is, you know, something that's yeah for sure. Controversial. That's kudos to Victoria and her team. I mean, they reached out and, and you know, they, they've done their homework and research and with the outdoors and the hunting market specifically. And they're like, you know, does this apply? And, and absolutely it does. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't say enough good things about them. Um, but that's a great point that you make, not that they're accepting, you know, need to accept money, but that they were open to it and they embraced it. So, um, super, super cool because you're right. I don't know, uh, in a lot of other places in, in the country, if they would be as open, uh, or accepting, um, with something, you know, from one far end of just straight hiking, backpacking to getting into the, uh, the outdoor and there's more specifically the hunting, the hunting world. So, yeah, I agree. And we're always fully transparent here. So I'm just going to just for our listeners, uh, we use Ramsey's phone for uh, the, audio. the audio and he's getting blown up by somebody. So if you heard a little beeping right there, that's all that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I, I think it's, I don't know, it's really cool. I think uh, it's one of those things that we've sat down as a, as a company the four of us and said, this is a relationship that we would like to not ever, you know, we'd like to, to stay with these guys and grow with them. Cause they're really, you know, and Victoria displayed this to us, they're pretty much in the early stages of their company as well. So, uh, to grow with them mm-hmm. is something that's really, you know, really cool and exciting to look forward to. Yep. No, absolutely agree. You guys, uh, what what flavors have you been playing with, or what do you, what do you guys like? Do you have any favorite ones that you've been trying? I got sent some of their new stuff here not too long ago, so that's kind of why I'm asking. What the what, hearty what, beef? If you're going is. into the woods, yeah, yeah, that one, one. Ramsey and I did a little review on that um, on a shed hunting trip we did, and that was actually our first experience <laughs> with first right one, on. best one. <laughs> yeah, first one. I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, seriously, like we got off camera you know, filming. And we were like, we both looked at each other and was like, I've never had something like this sitting in the middle of a canyon before yeah, in my no, life. I've never had something out of <laughs> a know? jet boil that tasted like that. And I mean, it was, you know, and we've, we've dived into the, we've done some review stuff on, uh, the mac and cheese, the mac and yep. cheese, uh, the, which is super good. We actually did the, uh, the, was it, it was the vegetarian, um, pack yep, that you could yep, get. And it yep. was like a grits, uh, was the breakfast? It had um, the yeah, mac and cheese, cheese again. Yeah. That was you know it fits. And that all the pro- snacks were super good too. Yeah, I mean. and just having those little snacks makes that pack just so versatile. I mean, it is unbelievable. Right. Yeah, I've never had a pack with a salted almond chocolate bar on it. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Yeah, then all the little packs of like Tabasco sauce, salt, pepper. Oh, you know, Cholula. Like right. I mean, the coffee, the hot chocolate you get. I mean, you're. You're set up. You're not going hungry. I mean, well, that, of course, we got like into this like at a weird time for our because I don't know if you have this. Well, we're not at a point yet where we can travel to hunt. We're pretty much in Montana based hunting. So we mm-hmm. have an off season, right? Which is our fishing season too. But, you know, a lot of fishing is not, you know, unless, you know, Ramsey and I and Sean as well, a uh, big fly fisherman, um, you know, and we do some, you know, big hikes in wading and stuff. But uh, this type of season really, is not our big like pack-in season and need for this kind of stuff. So we're very much looking forward to real time. Um, and of course we did some shed hunting trips that it worked well on. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, come archery season is where we're really going to see if this is something that's very sustainable for what we do. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I do travel 
um, to hunt. Some people would say it's a lot. It's not because if you don't travel at all, then you think it's a lot. I try and, you know, uh, hunt two states every year for archery elk. I mean, you know, uh, that is awesome and that is plenty. I've, I've tried the three before. That is too much because <laughs> you still you still want to enjoy it. But then, yeah, if I if you pull a, a deer tag or any um, other special stuff in, in the, on the west, and primarily I've hunted uh, the western states, uh, this stuff is is great for it. It truly is. It it saves a lot of the meal prep, like you guys say, especially. Uh, you know, being an outfitter, you know what it takes to sustain and to feed uh, hungry people um, and keep them comfortable. So right on tracks has definitely sold that in the, in the nutritional value. I was going to tell you one of my, so the new ones that they sent were uh, the cheesy mushroom egg scramble. I hadn't tried that one yet. Hmm. Uh, oh, and it was wow. very, very good. This blueberry bliss with the granola and yogurt. I have not tried, but you're talking about the little condiments. I mean, this thing has the nuts and all kinds of stuff on the back here so it's just i'm excited to try i've never been excited to try it ready to eat ever <laughs> you know it was more like oh man this is gonna be a rough week but anyhow <laughs> they've, they've solved that problem definitely yeah no we really appreciate it right on trick so let's go are you ready for these uh this question hour I don't know. I might, might not be an hour, but uh, <laughs> if, if we're taking too long and you got things to do, you just let us know. But we like to just, let, we, just we just like to let it flow and, and see what comes of it. So uh, does anyone have I got starter? one I got to ask right off the bat. Okay. If you say the one that I was going to ask, I'm going to punch you. We got to know, which I, th- I think, I don't know if we asked him this last week or not, but what brand of bow do you shoot? I don't think you asked me that one. We could play charades. Uh, probably be easy, easy to guess, you know. <laughs> Just don't say the four letter uh, one, please. Four letter one, man. I my bandwidth today, I, I don't think I can get that one. I shoot Matthews. That we're all way in the room go. now, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. we always do anyway. Ramsey's a big white guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're, they're, the yeah. Only, oh, they're the only ones that make a bow that can fit my gigantor no, frame. I always got to tell a story because we've had some guests on before where we asked the same question because it is a running, uh, you know, inside joke slash ar- argument with the four of us about bow brands. But uh, I always tell the story um, when, when we get into this topic was Ramsey decided uh, last year that he wanted to buy a new bow. And so as we, uh, Riley was talking about earlier, Superior Archery, where we're at is a awesome place that, you know, they take care of you great and everything. And, so we go in there with him on a lunch break one day and he goes in and he tells me he's open-minded about brands, but he shot a Hoyt for the last, <laughs> what, like eight years? Yeah. And so he goes in there and grabs the, what was that? The V3X. The V3X, shoots it twice, puts it down. She brings in the new Hoyt and he probably shot that 25, 30 times. And Riley and I are sitting out of the room watching him shoot and go, we know he's not buying that Matthews. He just wanted to humor <laughs> okay, us a little here's, bit. Okay, but here's the thing, though. Which one did I shoot first? The Matthews. So I gave it a chance. Uh, you did, but... But when you shoot... You humored us. When you, shoot, you when did you humor us. When you shoot the bow that you, that you want, and it turns out it's the one you want, then you don't need to shoot the other one anymore. Yeah. It is a running joke, though. It's not. It we is. don't really care what you shoot. It's, no. just, it's fun to talk about, just yeah. to give Ramsey a hard time. Because, <laughs> shoot, Matt shot a three fifty bull a couple years ago with a bear bow. So, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, Bearbolt, Bearbolt is they've they've come a long way. They've, they've done some really good stuff. I got a really good friend that as a as a rep for Bearbolt, and they're pretty excited about their flagship stuff. But you're right, any of the any of the stuff, the stuff is so good these days. It's personal preference. I agree with you guys. It's just fun to jab each other on who shoots what, and then of course if something happens where there's a miss or this or that, then then it's really going to be the waterfall is going to open up on. Yeah, but yeah, I've shot Matthews for a lot, a lot of years now. Um, and continue to just it fits for me you know i, I like uh, what i've been able to do with them they're dead in the hand they're quiet but uh i also stay away from shooting some of the other newer stuff that comes out because i'm a, if it's not broke don't fix it type of guy it's worked for me i don't want to yeah it's very know, I interesting get, I get to say anxiety. that yeah i get anxiety trying a new site every year or something like that you know <laughs> what i mean it's like i like what i like and, and and that's what I'm comfortable with. So. Yeah, well, Sean and I had this idea that we were going to trade our bows in every two years. And then I had a very successful year last year with my bow, and Matt and I sat down. And it was just like, you know, because I'm shooting a VXR, which is like a 2020 Matthews. And it was just like, dude, this thing's deadly. Why, why would I go buy a new one if I am so in tune with the one I have? Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I'm definitely feeling the same way though too because after thinking about it, I'm I'm shooting the last year there Matthews ever made a triax, and I, I I tell you what I mean that like I've reading up on that bow before I bought it and did all that I mean you know it was the fastest bow that Matthews made at the time blah blah I mean so that would have been 2018 was the last year they made a triax and I mean it's that bow is just never you know target practice wise has never let me down anything like that and it's just hard to try and make a switch you know in in the off season and then get comfortable with another piece of equipment you know what i mean mhm yep a lot of practice a lot of shooting it is work you know switching out bows year in year out uh you know you got to got to relevel everything i'm very fortunate i got a guy that is a bow guru that that helps me out and gets me dialed in every year and that's a lot of practice right you you get out and you shoot and uh obviously for you guys i'm sure shooting is fun it's it's really addicting uh, you just got to work a little bit harder once you get the new one going because like you said with the vxr i mean you're you're deadly with that thing and you want to be just as comfortable if not more with something new that you purchase so i, I get right where you're coming from are you a are you a micro adjust site guy or are you i mean what kind of pin do you shoot for a site well so stock product here, I've, I've ran a black gold verdict descent four inch the dovetail on there for quite a few years. Um, but I've also recently just switched over and played with that Arco site and that's a level, the vertical up and down three pin. So three pin mover. And I'm really, really liking that. I don't know um, if it's just something that it's new or my eyes have adjusted to this, but shooting just as good or better than I ever have before, but, uh, micro adjust. Yes. But I'm, I like a fixed pin mover. I hunt a lot of country. It's steep and deep. It's thick, it's nasty. And I'm a really good shot because the, the bulls that I'm fortunate enough to harvest are 20 yards and under. So it's just top pin stuff. So, um, I shoot the fix, but then also with antelope hunting and stuff like that, I, I can able to dial out if I got to get out past 50 yards or something like that on that hope so um single pin i've always been nervous myself just to try a single pin which i would be fine with hunting elk up in this country like i said most shots are under 20 yards but just for that i always have that fear like okay i'm gonna have that bowl at mid 40s or you know have that window which i'm very a proficient practice a lot there and 
can make that happen. And I'd actually have to think or try and move or something with a single pin. So that's just me personally. Yeah. Ramsey and I are, are, are five pin fixed sliders too. We love them, but um, yep. I'm going to ask a question if you're ready for me. To, Go ahead. Um, so are you, I'm going to have a couple side questions that lead into a larger question. I'm very, I'm very difficult. You can ask any of these guys, but um, so are you running social media too, along with the marketing? Negative. Okay. Uh, well, do you I have an understanding? Do you have like an understanding of like that atmosphere then? It's like what that guy's going yeah. like doing. So absolutely. I'm gonna. I just want to know like what has been, and well, you have your own. You have your own Instagram, so you have some social media something going on. Um, sure. Yes. You know, we thought when we started this that like that kind of stuff was going to be dependent on what we do in this industry. And, you know, some things go slow. One thing takes off, like surprisingly out of like, of course, our podcast does very well. Um, but like our TikTok randomly is like our best social media thing for whatever reason, which is unfortunate being right. living in Montana. But um, how have you navigated the social media stuff and how do you look at it like as far as like being successful? Man, that's a great question. That's a tough one. I feel like I'm on uh, some other podcasts, ones that I've listened to. Uh, I don't know if I'll bring any of those ones up because there's people that are absolutely for social media and people that absolutely can't stand it. Right. And uh, what it's done to the hunting industry. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna chicken out on this one. I'm gonna stay. I say in the middle. I think it's it does uh, some really good things for hunting. I'm in conservation and information, but I also know that social media in itself uh, has created uh, almost a stigma of, you know, we talk about it openly, the, the grip and grand type stuff and, and doing hunting and, and, and being in the outdoors uh, just for the kill and the wrong reasons. I mean, obviously, uh, three out of four, you know, we started this from very young uh, and you guys are, a couple of you are younger than, than I am, not being bad, I think we're the same age, but um, you know, I, I'll say that to say this, if social media was non-existent today, uh, me personally, I, I would be okay with that because I started doing all this stuff before social media came about. Um, I don't want to get, did, did social media has been had a more negative impact on the hunting industry than positive, man, we could talk about this for ever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. Um, if that makes sense, is that kind of kind of answer your question yeah, about and, skirting around well we've kind of talked about like the real only benefit that we've seen from like having a large i don't think we spend every day trying to be that like uh largest social media company that you could be right the biggest whatever and clearly we're not there right, right? um but we only benefit that we really see to social media is like we have been able to reach people and bring people into hunting because of the social media and we think that yeah. people more people hunting is better for us as a community. And so that's been our biggest benefit. But yes, as a person that's been hunting, you know, I mean, how since how long has it been around? It's probably 18 years, 17 years, probably. which is shorter than yours, Josh. But I mean, that's uh, that's my timeline of being able to get some information. I can also agree in, you know, in aspects of like, yes, um, the coming of social media and technology and stuff has really brought out the wrong in people, you know, like as far as like, uh, hunt shaming goes and, you know, people's ability to, you know, I have friends that literally will watch 
some people's Instagrams and they're so smart that they can see the geographical locations in their pictures and they will find where that person's been hunting. And that's given up a lot of, you know, not that we're out here saying that you need to spot, um, hog and whatnot, but like, you know, a lot of these places that, you know, we're like hidden protected places are really getting found out because right. guys are smart and social media has really broadcasted a lot of, you know, cause you know, we talked about this with Trevor, uh, Trevor Bruick of the outdoor drive <clears throat> podcast, not too long ago. Um, you know, social media has kind of taken away, you know, I generally, generally think that there is a group of people out there that they, if it wasn't for the ability to post the things they killed, they wouldn't have, a, you know, they wouldn't hunt if they didn't have that. Where we're on the other I spectrum. And I you think and, you guys, and <clears throat> I think we've listened to the same podcast or follow a lot of the same people uh, uh, without mentioning any names. And and I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I do agree with you. Um, yes, there are some positives with it, but um, for me personally, obviously, with Rocky Mountain hunting calls and our livelihood, it depends on you know exposure, sales, presence, awareness. We reach a lot of people. We're able to educate a lot of people through our social media. Um, you know, you got to stay very professional, not alienate, and, and all that good stuff. But on the on the same token, let's look at the tag game. Let's talk about tags real quick. Look how many more applicants, how many more uh, people are applying in all the states, not to include just Montana and how difficult it's been. Um, point creep. I mean, all that stuff is real. It is absolutely step that and flash forward. Who knows how many years to actual drawing quality or, or premium tags or even general tags in a lot of states. You know, we're, we're very lucky in Montana that we still get general over the counter deer and elk. Um, who knows for how long, but we're very fortunate to be able to do that. And social media on, not to put this that topic to bed, but it is that a very huge, huge impact on the outdoor and the hunting industry as a whole. There's, there's no denying that. Absolutely. Ramsey, you got something? I, I do have a question and this isn't, uh, this is not a hunting question. As a guy who's had long hair. Is there a story behind your hair? <laughs> you know what's what's funny? Yes, that my wife just tonight we was sitting down in there. She goes, "Are you ever gonna cut your hair?" And I said, "Well, I think about it a lot, honey, but it's kind of my persona now." You know, uh, so so it, it coming up and through baseball and, and in the White Sox organization, you had to be clean shaven and high, you know, all that good stuff. Not necessarily the hair, but until you get to double A, then you can kind of grow and do whatever you want. I had always just, you know, been with, with baseball and short hair, right? I mean, it's hot and, and uh, clean shaven all the way through until, and same with law enforcement, right? High and tight, clean shaven. Didn't work for a department that allowed beards and hair. Well, when I got into uh, the special detectives division, and you guys could probably figure out, we talked about the, the um, field I was in for a long time, narcotics, man, I got to grow my hair out, grow a beard and didn't have to shave anymore. And it was like, holy, yeah, this is great. So then it kind of just came about and the hair was there and the beard is there. And then, you know, sticking and with the outdoor, it's kind of like part of my soul, I guess. So that's kind of my long hair story. I threatened to, to cut it all the time, but I'm still fortunate on my end to be able to have it and a full head. I mean, I'm not, oh, man. <laughs> see. yeah, it's not gone yet, but at some point it will. And then I'll, you know, if I cut it too soon, I'll be like, oh man. So, that's that's the story behind the hair. 
Yeah, only two of us in here can like relate or one of us can relate to having good hair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Well, I, what I say is uh, I have a very low skill set, but I got very good hair. So there you go. Matthew? How old were you when you first, first went your first hunt and was it successful or... So my first hunt, like legally with a tag in my pocket. Yes, sir. What we can actually so, talk about. 12 years old, <laughs> 12, 12 years old. And so, like I said, I've been on plenty of hunts, you know, and, and with my dad and uncles before, um, but legally 12, having a, a deer and an elk tag in, in my, in my pocket, uh, just actually north of here, uh, there's a mountain which I'm not going to mention it just because it's really not good anymore, but I just don't want any of my friends and everybody to get mad at me and cuss me for saying the name of the mountain. But uh, 12 years old on Halloween day, I'll never forget. You can actually probably look it up in the archives of the Hungry Horse News here. Uh, getting to, uh, we're actually hunting elk, my dad and I, and getting into a place to see if the elk were in the basin, ran into a mule deer buck, a 27 inch, 184 inch uh mule deer five by five mule deer buck at 12 years old and i i was able to harvest him at 25 yards with my little 308 lever action browning and mule deer hunting has pretty much been downhill since then and that was a <laughs> lot of years ago <laughs> so yeah that was my my first actual hunt where tag in my pocket the whole nine yards and i hit a home run and it's been uh <laughs> No, Joe, he's been tough, tough on the big mule deer since. So that's really cool that, that uh, you shot that quality of a deer at that age. Cause we know a lot of people that we've talked to that they either know somebody or that they're that way themselves, or they, you know, the first time out hunting, they shot like a big bull or a big buck and they actually lost interest in doing it after that for whatever reason. But, uh, sure. no, it's, kind of, it's cool to see someone that, you know, turned into, I mean, that's your lifestyle now. Yeah, no, you, you learn to live and breathe it. I, I already had the bug at a, at a young age, but that just confirmed it. And, and like I said, holy smokes, the the mule deer gods blessed me that day. And uh, they tricked me pretty much every since, you know, of all the years. But uh, it was pretty awesome to experience that and then experience with my dad. And, and uh, you know, just a young 12-year-old kid that uh, got lucky. Isn't the general consensus of... Uh at least mule deer hunting, as I've talked to a lot of people, that is you always want to uh, shoot a bigger buck the next year. That's a that's pretty hard to set yourself up in a scenario yeah. when you do something like that. That's doable. <laughs> it, I mean, it I, is doable. Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. When you were yeah, a younger hunter, good. did you guys usually do like just day hunts, or did you guys actually have like an elk camp, or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. A, lo a lot of well, both. Not a little bit. Uh, we did a lot of day hunting, you know, fortunate to have all, uh, the public land around up home here in, in the Northwest. But then at about, I will, well, when I was 13 is when uh, my dad and some guys from his work at the aluminum plant, Columbia Falls Aluminum Company back then, uh, started an elk camp. So I look back at that now, that was like the best, the most precious times of uh, really of my hunting career besides with my boys up and coming and my daughter, you know, um, in the years to come. Uh, it was an awesome elk camp and I, I learned a lot. There were 
seven guys in there. I was the only kid at 13. Uh, and how that kind of worked is my dad and I, and my dad had actually found the elk spot where we would go. So me and him went down there the first year and I was able to to shoot a cow and one of his good friends, like, we should start looking into this. And it blossomed into the the whole walk tent, cook shack camp, just the best. Like we did that one for 12 years of my hunting life. It was just amazing. So yeah, I did a lot of both day hunt, um, camping, uh, wall tenting, just uh, any chance to have the opportunity to get out there. I uh, was able, was doing it and still try to do it today. So. Well, it's interesting you say that, like, like the elk camp when I was a kid growing up, I can't tell you a whole lot like what we shot or what we've seen, but I can tell you the pinnacle moments at elk camp, having a beer 15 years old with the old man <laughs> and thinking life was great. You know, it don't get any better than this. So listening to stories or getting to drink your first beer. Yeah. Or waking up with your sleeping bag frozen to the cot. Yep. Cause yeah. no one got up to <laughs> stoke the fire. Stoke the fire. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yep. No, you're right. Those memories, you're you're right. It's the just the harvesting of the game or being lucky in that sense is just a bonus. But the memories you get from having an elk camping experience, Matt, and you know, because I can hear how you talk about it, how lucky that we were to grow up in an environment like that. I mean, truly. Uh, and you don't take it for granted. Even as a young kid, I mean, I remember when I go off to college, I had serious anxiety. Like, man, I, how am I going to get come home to hunt? And what I had to do, because I was playing baseball, I just worked ahead, did all my school work ahead, got everything okay with coaches, and I was able to come home for 10 days, and that's where I would go, straight to elk camp. I mean, that's yeah. how much it meant. So, uh, yeah, pretty neat stuff. Yeah, people, you know, we're part of the 1% that really get to experience, you know, <clears throat> memories made in the outdoors. And I, th I genuinely would put my life earnings against anyone saying that it's the best thing that you could really experience in life there's just nothing like it truth truth amen there you know the woods are woods are our church right it's uh there's just something about it every everything about it and yeah we've seen that now with the influx of, of people moving out west specifically a lot into montana as well and you can't blame them i mean we've you know we're truly are in god's country <laughs> Uh, getting to be in the woods and enjoy the the lakes and the rivers and the woods like we do it's it's pretty special so so i have an old person question for you since we're the same age and these guys make fun of me all the time <laughs> do you find it easier when you were younger without the cell phones and social media and all that stuff hunting than you do now like, like that's a really like, good question um the short answer is is absolutely um so, you know, doing a lot of more filmy stuff now for content. I'm a guy, and, and you said it best. You guys said it best the last time we chatted. I think it's hard for you guys to film as well because you guys get into the hunt. You're so into the hunt. That is me to AT. I do a lot of solo archery elk hunting. So, yeah, I have the GoPro and stuff. But um, being behind the camera, it's a different animal. The cell phones, the social media, it, it truly is. Back in those days, there was one mission, right? It was you're out in the woods and you're looking for that animal, whether you are successful or not, that's all you had to like think about. Now there's so many um, different variables and things that we're looking to do or need to get done and out in the, out in the, the woods these days. So yes, short answer. Absolutely. It's much easier. Um, 
it just it just was and that's my own opinion strictly but i think a lot of people would agree with me without cell phones and social media and all that kind of stuff one thing i will say you know i, I truly respect the organizations and the companies that are out there that it's not all about the kill you will help hear people say that well guys just and gals just say that that don't ever kill anything well i can attest that's not the truth it truly the hunt is what you make of it right um, and you guys are big on the friendships and the memories, and that's just super cool. And I think as a collectively as a whole, you know, teaming up and like-minded people, we promote that more to where everybody always has to fill a tag or get a kill. Uh, we're going to be able to string the hunting industry and the outdoors and the quality experience a lot longer um, if we're if we're pushing for that than on the other side. Well, the thing that I thought was funny is when you brought up the fact that like when you go hunting now, you throw right on track in a small cooler and you're good to go where, you know, 20 years ago when we were doing this, you had to pack the chains and every other thing and prepare for maybe being <laughs> snowed in for five days. And there's yep. no cell phone and no help or no right on tracks or easy mills to do. And, and, uh, memories all a cherish, but it was, God dang, it was a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely the technology makes certain things easier and, and thankful for my, my wife, you know, with uh, an inreach and, you know, the satellite system I use when I'm hunting in places that there is no self-service. You can send that text out that puts her at ease and, and, you know, the family at ease, which is awesome, right? Because then you're not worrying and, and hurrying, you know, quartering out an elk and slipping and cutting yourself or something bad. You can get that message out there. So yeah, in that aspect, it makes it it makes it it makes it easier um but making sure when you're in the industry and, and providing content and stuff you know you want your stuff dialed in i think that makes it harder i'm at my best when i can just go hunt um i feel like you know there's no i don't want to say pressure pressure for those who don't prepare but when you can just get in the hunt and go hunt man yeah that's that's when i'm at my best and that's that's what i think it is about um that's when i'm enjoying it the most I agree with that. No, that's awesome. Do you guys have um, any more questions? Um, I want to end things here with one question that we kind of ask a lot of hunting, um, you know, related guests. Do you have a memory of a, not the best hunt you ever had, but the most memorable hunt you ever had that you could share with us? Man, see, that's that's so tough. Obviously, I could go back <laughs> to last year and that giant, but honestly they're all special. They, they truly, truly are. And it's something you cannot want, you know, if you ever get to a point where you're taking it for granted or you got nothing else to learn, or you don't get excited here in a bull bugle or just getting up in the morning and getting ready to go hunting, then it's probably past you. But, uh, man, I, I have so many, many great memories, you know, um, just growing up with my uncles and my dad, you know, those are, the most you know specialist ones you know my dad's passed on now but we had a lot of great memories you know i shot my first deer my first elk my first antelope all that stuff uh with him and then with my uncle who's a close hunting a partner of mine uncle jack i mean you know we have been very fortunate to, to hunt big nasty timber whitetails for so many years and um yeah i mean and then you, you couple that with a moose and a mountain goat and a buffalo and antelope and wolf and i mean they're all special i love them all um if i had to pick one species to hunt i'll give you species i can't give you a moment is uh archery elk hunting 
by far and away. I mean, that's, that's my thing. That's, that's my passion. That's my disease. That's what I've worked my whole young adult life to uh, hone my skills and be good at. Obviously we talked, you know, last year I was able to kill an absolute man. I don't even, I still to this day don't know where he came from, but that was very, very special. Um, but they're all unforgettable. And that's the thing you can come into my house and into my, my barn and see, you know, my trophy room, like you guys got, and we could tell you every place I was, when it happened, how that bull was standing or how that deer was looking, you know, your memories. So, um, yeah, they're all special. A lot of, a lot of special ones. So I, I can really can't. I think that's one of the best answers we ever got because we relate on so many levels and that gets me really excited to someday maybe get to sit around the fire and hear them, hear them, some of them stories yeah, that absolutely. I want to let go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thanks for, uh, you know, more important, you know, most importantly, thanks for coming on. It's been really informative. It's been really awesome to hear your story. Uh, we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but you know, I think we've created a friendship. I think we'll do this many times ahead and uh, let's not get all the Josh Fields out in one episode. So, uh, thanks Josh. Thanks again. We really appreciate like it. it. Um, you Man. can, you guys can check Thank out you. Josh, uh, at Josh fields 21 on Instagram. Um, obviously with Rocky mountain hunting calls and much more. I mean, do you have anything else that you'd like to plug while you're here? No, no, you guys have done a phenomenal job. I just want to say thanks to you guys for having me on a pretty neat group of guys. I hope you continue to gain traction and you will. And thanks to, to write on track for bringing us together. Um, it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Pretty special. Like I said, one of the best things in the best things in the industry is you get to meet a lot of really cool, neat people and, and, and work with them or go on hunts and sit around campfires. So yeah, there, there's a lot more for, for our past and to come. I mean, I foresee a lot of, of hunting stories and education and whatever else we can come up with, but, uh, um, just appreciative for the opportunity, guys, and, and I can't thank you enough. No, no, yeah, thank, thank you, Josh. You. Seriously, thank um, you. Yeah. Again, check him out, and uh, I think we're going to end things here for tonight. Um, you'll probably hear from us, you know, we're doing that kind of backwards intro thing going mm -hmm. on, so you'll hear somehow about this before you hear the story. So uh, check out Josh, check out Right on Trek, and uh, as always, we will catch you on the next one. See ya. Yeah. Later. Two Leggings Outfitters out of Hardin, Montana is your one-stop shop for the best hunting and fishing adventures Montana has to offer. If you're looking for fishing adventures, big game hunting, bird hunting, and much more, get a hold of Dave or Patty at Two Leggings Outfitters, 406-665-2825. Book the adventure of a lifetime today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers... Be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.